Hello everyone and welcome to episode 41 of Balls and Whistles, a Highland news and media podcast looking at what's been going on in the world of sport around the Highlands this week. I am Andrew Henderson and as unusual, I'm not joined by sports editor Will Clark because he's away on annual leave. He's going to be back next time around, but for this episode, I'm on my own. It's going to be another one of those interview episodes where I play some of the chats that I've had throughout the week. Um, getting to know some of the stories that have been going on. There is, of course, a lot of stuff that's been happening. Ross County and Cali Thistle both had midweek fixtures. There's plenty of rugby going on. Kinloch Shield won another trophy in Shinty. We're going to get to all that in just a minute. I want to say at the, the very start of this episode, for a change, I usually put it towards the end, if you do like what you hear on Balls and Whistles, make sure that you give us a like or a share on social media or leave us a review or something. It's not just for our egos, although it does help that a little bit. It's also help other people hear these episodes and discover Balls and Whistles, which would be great because we want to get as many people finding out what's been going on around the world of sport in the Highlands this week. I think, though, there's only one place to start this time out, and that is with Ross County. We've been talking a lot over the last week while about the pressure building on manager Malachi Mackay. We've been talking about their poor run of form in the Premiership. Up until Wednesday night, they hadn't won a game in the league this season. They were rooted to the bottom and they could have gone seven points adrift, but they were up against Dundee, the team that was one spot ahead of them in the league table. So it was not quite do or die because it's still so early in the season, but it was a massive match. What do you know? Ross County would get their first win of the season and in spectacular style. It was a 5-0 win thanks to goals from Harry Clark, Ross Callaghan, Joe Hungbo and two from Regan Charles Cook. It's not just that they won their first league game of the season, it was a historic win. It was their biggest ever win in the top flight. So here is how Malky Mackay reacted both to the result and then to finding out that it was actually a record-breaking match. And then after that, you're going to hear my conversation with Regan Charles Cook too. Genuinely thinks uh, the last four, um, any one of the last four, we could have, um, I'm not saying if we went five nothing, but we, we could have gone on and, and put the performances and turned the performances into goals. So I was delighted tonight um, because uh, the were a couple of results recently. Uh, James McPake's done great coming up to this division and settling his team into it. Uh, we knew it was going to be tough here uh, and we had to start well. We had to start like we did against Livingston at the weekend. We did. Um, special credit to my goalkeeper because he makes a hell of a save at 0-0 and that can change things sometimes with confidence and momentum. Uh, but I think after that we, we got it down, got it to our wingers uh, and caused havoc in the first half with him. I really did. I'm delighted with the whole team's performance but especially my back four my goalie because and my, my, my both of midfielder because they deserved the clean sheet um, and we knew at half time they had to change things. Um, you know, they brought in Killing Sheridan, they had Griffiths on, they had the Cummins on, guys that had hundreds of goals between the three of them. Um, so we stood firm to that, they went a little bit more direct with Killian. We had to win that second ball and I knew if we won the second ball we'd again get it to the wide areas and get our two wingers on the ball who were on fire again tonight. So I'm, I'm really delighted with the performance, but as I said, I genuinely think the last four or five weeks we've been equal to any team in the division we've played against and um, it's just been a matter of time. Is the club's biggest uh, top flight victory, I believe? Is it? Yeah. I don't know. Um, um, what's that? Right, okay. <laughs> um, listen, I'm, I'm uh, 
obviously Bristol are local press, I'm really proud to be here in the manager uh, of this club, it's a fabulous little club, it is a small club uh, with, with a small number of staff that, that put many years of them a day to keep it going, um, fabulous man as a chairman, Will McGregor, it really is, um, and Stephen Ferguson, the chief executive, who's been a footballer, who's been a academy director, who's been the manager, the joint manager, who's now the chief executive, so we, working for a couple of people who are actually seeing um, the plan that they want, the journey they want to go on and uh, they've allowed me to join it and I'm and provide confidence in me to actually allow me to put in place the various strategies that I wanted to do to, to help the performances around the club in all the areas, whether it be the first team, whether it be sports science, medicine, talent, ID, um, and it is, these things take time and you know, 16 players leaving the club in the summer and two staff and all of a sudden we've got to rebuild but they've, they've you know, uh, the, the two people I've, I've been dealing with that are above me um, have, I suppose that it's helped that they've been there every day with me and they've seen everything that's going on, they see every training session um, and they see the work that's been put in with the staff and the players and so to see the players keeping going toe to toe with the opposition and um, coming out with a performance like that tonight and also a result of that um, that's, that's what I've been on the club, so I'm delighted for them. To even start with that, it's, it's been a long time coming, hasn't it? Yeah, it definitely has been a long time coming, especially in the last four games that we have. We've really been frustrated that we haven't finished off teams. The way we started and the way we played, like it shows today that just being ruthless in front of goal and defending very well, this is our rewards we got today. Did you ever start to doubt that it would come? Because it has been a long time without a win. If I'm honest, no. <laughs> no, like, it's actually, we've got a very strong group of boys. Like, it's very hard to doubt when you know you've done so well in previous games and you've put teams into sword, to the sword when you see them out of possession stats and shots on goal and chances created. We have each game, but it's just today we were very ruthless and we were ruthless not just in defensive box, defensive box. Ash made a great save yeah. at nil-nil and from there it was carnage. Talk about being ruthless. You obviously got two goals yourself. You must be pleased with your own performance. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm pleased with my own performance. Like, um, I'm a bit upset that the guy didn't kick me off for a hat trick. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, I'm joking. But now I'm pleased to get two goals. You know, that's one thing I'm trying to add to my game. You know, as much as trying to create, I'm trying to add goals. Because, like, to be honest, I didn't think I was as good as I've been in previous games. Sure. But, like, goals, goals do tell stories. So yeah. You really seem to have stepped up a level this season though compared to last year. What's changed for you? I just think like uh, the manager, the staff, and everyone just has a lot of belief in me. I think, to be honest, like my mate here Del tells me, since I come back from international duty that I've looked like a different player, but it's a credit to all the people around us, the hard work like uh, the staff do, uh, like Don, the gaffer, Ender, and Tomo, and Jukes, and uh, Fiona. Fiona, my um, my Scottish godmother. Right. Yeah, okay. Fiona looks after me. To be fair, Fiona, Suze, and Jim, they always look after me here. So <laughs> from day one, so I have to give a big shout out to them as well. I can name all, all of them uh, behind closed doors that you don't see that allows us to go out there and perform. It's quite easy to look at performances and say yourself and, and Joe have been tearing it up on the wings, but you managed to link up a couple of times as well today. Uh, do you really feel like you're starting to get partnership? Yeah, like, I see Joe as my uh, little brother as soon as he came in. Like, I don't know why he copied my hairstyle, but... <laughs> <laughs> nah, he's a great... Idolized he, yeah, <laughs> he's a great kid, man. Like, he's got abundance of ability, as you can see.
sees quick pass, he knows how to take on somebody. And for his first professional goal, I think that's probably the best free kick I've seen in life, to be honest. Yeah, it's outstanding, yeah. It's crazy. This is the template now for you going forward, isn't it? Yeah, of course. Like We want to take it into the next game. Like If you saw the change room there, uh, like it gives us even more confidence, you know what I mean? Finally getting that three points on the board. We're not going to get carried away. We're going to rest up and recover tomorrow and the next few days and prepare for the next game. And now, this game's gone now. We enjoyed the moment. Now we focus on Hibs on Saturday. It's plenty of momentum to take into Hibs though, isn't it? No, of course. Of course, plenty of momentum. Like, Hibs is a dangerous side, you know, so we can't get carried away. But it's, that's the key thing the gaffer talks about. Even on the pitch, it's momentum. And we have to keep the momentum. And that's what we've done today. I don't know if you've seen the other results tonight, but even the last few weeks, Hibs haven't been at their best. Do you think it's quite a good time to play them? Uh, <laughs> Well, if they haven't been at their best, but, you know, Hibs is a, a big team. It's a very big team. Like, we can never doubt them, you know what I mean? They've got um, very important players. They've got very big players, you know what I mean? So, um, I wouldn't say it's a very good t- time to play them, but we just have to focus on our game and not focus on anyone else's, then we'll be all right. It'd be nice to put in that sort of performance for the home crowd as well. Oh, it'd be lovely to, and I just want to thank the fans for travelling all down this way, and good that we could put on a good performance for them today, so, yeah. It really was a phenomenal performance from the likes of Joe Hungbo and Regan Charles Cook. I hope you could hear what Malky Mackay and Regan were saying there. There was so much rain in Dundee on Wednesday night. You could actually hear it in the background of those. So I hope you were able to make it out. I tried to make them as clear as I possibly could when recording this podcast. Uh, but of course, Ross County weren't the only team in action as it turned out on a really rain-soaked night in the middle of the week. Cali Thistle were also in action on Tuesday at home against our Broth. That did not go so well for them. It was the first time they've lost at home this season. They also slipped off of top spot. They had a five-point lead over Kilmarnock a few weeks ago, but now Kilmarnock are top of the table on goals scored. So it's another big match, this time for Cali Thistle, away at Partick Thistle tomorrow afternoon. Partick are the league's top scorers, so it's not going to be an easy task, and it's never easy when you play three games in the span of a week. That is where we pick up with Billy Dodds when he was talking to the press earlier on this week. It's a hectic week, isn't it, like, when it's three games? It's been busy, um, does give you a chance to go over it, but we'll have to be at be close to our best to get anything here, because Partick, good team, um, it's weird way though because they're going they battered Hamilton and then suddenly you know they've had a couple of nil-nils but they still put a bit of momentum together where they get results on the board so it's a hard hard game I know what Ian McCall's like had him as a manager so I know it'll be tough they've got a bit of momentum we have to get back to where we know we're capable of being I know and not be too critical on Tuesday because we're sitting trying to talk to the league and stuff but how have you and the boys reacted after that because you're going to get the least on Sunday I think we've got to understand that we are. I think sometimes you throw out cliches in football when I've said, look, we're going to be guarded, look, we'll, get, we'll go through our bad runs. And I'm not saying this is a bad run, but, you know, we've been beaten at home and I brought a third in the league, we've got to appreciate that as well. Um, they battled away, it was a terrible night. It looked like nil nil written all over it. But we've ended up losing the game, so it's disappointing, but we're still, it's a collective for me, we're still top of the league. I know we're no for second, but we're joint top points, so it's rather be in our position, and we're looking for just that bounce back. And the boys have got it; they've got that mentality. I've said that all along. They've got a good, strong 
mentality and uh, it's a great chance to put it right against Partick Thistle, it's a tough game, we know that, um, I know we're playing at Firhouse Lake, we're going to have to be right at it, but our players are capable. It's got to said, you're coming into the time of the years when the temperatures are changing and you're not going to be got a lot of classics in the next couple of weeks and stuff like that, is that something that's, that's on your mind and how you set the team up in terms of a cold wet night in Mary Hill on Saturday? You might look at it, you might look at it, but I mean, um, the pitches are still decent, Nick. I know it wasn't, it was cold and it was sheet rain the other night. Sometimes that's no great, but there's no excuses. Listen, you've got to handle everything, you've got to handle the length of the campaign, you've got to handle, we've had a good start and then, you know, we've only taken one point for the last six, you've got to handle that. We're still top of the league, joint top of the league with points. It's an it's a overall thing, and I knew that these wee bits would come, but it's not, it's not a disaster, it's any man who means, I mean, go to Wraith, good point, yeah, we the circumstances, we're a hope for three, but, you know, we're Wraith the like, and we're against another top team tomorrow, and, and I saw it Saturday, so we know what Party Thistle are like as well, so we've just got to be right at it, and if we are, our team are capable of winning games, it's simple. What's the team news after midweek, everyone okay? Yeah, just, we're, we're, obviously David Carson, we're still waiting on him coming back, but everybody else is fit. Cammy Harper come into training today, delighted with that. So, um, no fitness worries whatsoever, but it's, it's another full squad, so great. You're talking about 1-6 not being a disaster, Billy, you're absolutely right, still joint top of the league, but that gap that you had has gone, so how do you make sure the players don't dip or the heads don't go down from that? Well, they'll never go down because it's going to be the same. I'm not going to come in here and lump about. It's not been like that. It's been lively as usual. Um, I think we've got to hand teams credit, especially Commander. We said to them, um, they've answered. We've, we've got five points ahead. They've answered it. We've dropped points. They've got a wee bit of momentum and won their games. And it's not been great games, but they've, they've won 2-1 against Hamilton. And then they've gone and won the big derby. So... Fair play to Commander, it's going to be like that. So it's now it's our turn to respond. Is that something that could actually focus you a little bit more? Not that you've been distracted, but. Just... But it shouldn't have to. It shouldn't have to. I know my boys are focused. You can't go, oh, there's, oh, there's things happening and there's underlying things just because you draw with eighth and you, you know, you should get a draw against a growth, but it, it didn't work out. We lost a bad goal, so we lose the three points. So there's no panic whatsoever. It's uh, business as usual. Like you said, after the game on Tuesday, you had to get to the bottom of why you weren't creating more chances and scoring more goals. Have you been able to put your finger on that? Um, I've kind of shown boys what I would expect of them. Maybe get more bodies hit the box, got to come up a wee bit uh, more bodies forward. Simple, basic, simple things because everyone else, you're not talking a joint talk of the league if, if you're not doing the basics right. We just have to get better because I think with the players we've got, we can be more of a threat. That's all. And I'm trying to get the wee basic messages across to them. Challenging run coming up, down three, the next four, away from home. How do you look at that, Billy? Uh, brace it. Never be fearful. Um, I mean, if results go our way, we'll get through another period where people are looking at us to slip up. And they might be looking at us even more now because we've uh, dropped points against the growth at home. But we've got a fantastic home record this season. So... And then we're going to go away from home. Um, it's been okay. We need to start winning games away from home. But embrace it, ready for it. If you come through it with plenty of points out of it, you'll be more than happy and every chance you'll be top of the league again. Like you say, you've got um, full faith in your players. Um, 
I think we've spoken about Wallace Duffy on the past on this podcast, so I wanted to ask the question to Billy just to get his perspective on it. It's quite easy to look at it and say Dave Carson was preferred to him at the end of last season. Scott Allardyce has been in the last couple of games, so it doesn't bode particularly well for Wallace, and I think that's the point we have made in the past. But if it is just a fitness issue, then fair enough. You know, Coming back from injury, it's tough to then go straight from one extreme to the other and play three games in a week. So if you ask to manage Wallace Duffy's fitness... Absolutely can't argue with that one. There's plenty more football coverage in this week's papers. We're talking about Highland League where there's a derby between Clacknacudden and Nairn County. Loch Ness have a massive match at the top of the North Cali League against the league leaders Halkirk United. 
There's obviously plenty of other teams in action in the North Cali as well. Go and make sure you buy a paper to check those out. For the time being, we're going to move on to rugby because while I was saying there's been some big matches in football, the stakes are pretty high for Highland as well this weekend. They travelled to Bigger, who before the pandemic had actually won National 1, although once the pandemic hit, the seasons were ruled null and void, so they didn't get promoted. They're going to be going back for the National 1 title this time. Highland are going to be right up there with them, or so they hope. And a win down in South Lanarkshire tomorrow could go a long way towards that. Even then, Highland had a bit of a disappointing result last time out against Cartha Queen's Park. So here is what Dave Carson had to say first about last week's match, and then we move on to talking about bigger. So much happened really in the first half. They say they were, they were only in our 22 once, but we gave away Um, 
Yeah, haven't fallen that far behind them. I don't know if they played at the weekend, um, but yeah, yeah, they're still. Sorry, go for it. Yeah, the results just went well. We I sort of expected that they got beat by Harriet's Harriet's, and Melrose got beat by Gala, and Ayr got beat by Dundee. So yeah, we're in with only three or four points off the top still. Uh, there's very little in it, and you're in, obviously massive down there. I mean, Bigger will have a fantastic home record. I don't know when the last time they've been beat down there. And yeah, really difficult game. It's going to be, I mean, but it's what I know the boys will be up for. Every time you wait for the bigger fixture to come out, we've been playing them now for two or three years. Um, and it's been, say, we've had no success down there yet, but there's results the first time, and it's over this again. Yeah, they're obviously really familiar opponents for you. They've come up the leagues the same way you have in the last couple of years. So, is this almost a bit of a, a rivalry that's been built up between the two of you now? Yeah, it probably is. We came in, we came in the two. They were there and uh, had a year with them. Then we both went up into one, and then they were, were still there. They obviously won the league before it was stopped by COVID, but then it was all deemed defunct, so they didn't get their promotion. So they're obviously really keen to push on up players for us as we so uh, yeah it's been a tough game it's always really really physical up front and um, there's not much attractive rugby play to be honest it's just really a battle up front and you can get the sensitivity there so um, yeah it's been a massive game one we're all looking forward to is normal going down there and then um, yeah we need to hopefully get back in winning ways but it's going to be really difficult but having the way we've been other teams you know home and away we're more capable of doing it it's just on the day and after a result like last Saturday, there's not much more incentive than knowing that win would take you above bigger as well this weekend. Yeah, that's right. I think um, when the results came through after Saturday's game, you get the disappointment grew even bigger because we, we realised we'd have been joint top mm. at the moment if we'd beaten Carter, you know. So, and as I said to you a couple of weeks ago, I think every team can beat every team in this league, and especially at home. So, it's, you know, I don't think anyone's going to run away with it like done in the past going to be nipping tack right through right through the winter and the spring it makes it really exciting doesn't it <laughs> <laughs> exciting nerve wracking you lose a game you're not out of it you know so yeah. in, in years gone past if you lose I've been up to full three now in years gone past you would say that's it and um, you know someone's pulling away but no one's no one's pulling away everyone's been beaten and um, so yeah it's, it's really commitment who can hold their nerve who can produce week in the week out it's the big thing who can put that performance in every week and not just on the big occasions well what you think of the big occasions yet if you look at the, the fixtures and the teams every occasion is a big one and everyone needs you know, every time you go out you've got to your best performance to get a victory well, that was Highland's first team, but their second team, the Raptors in Caledonia North 2, actually have a derby match against Ross Sutherland at Canal Park tomorrow afternoon. Of course, Ross Sutherland in Invergordon are also part of our area, so I went and talked to their coach, David Gill, again about a disappointing defeat last time out at Banff and looking forward to maybe trying to get the bragging rights in Inverness. Uh, where 
big physical team they always are um, and we maybe just didn't create enough of the spaces um, that we need that we needed to, to try and to exploit um, we didn't maybe suck in enough of their defence then get the spaces to run at um, they just they always seem to be at the traffic um, we had certainly at the end of the, the first half we probably had 20 minutes within their half and, and just didn't didn't create enough with it, um, unfortunately. Um, it was uh, it seemed to be a case of it'll come, it'll come, and yeah, they just we never got the clear cut opportunities um, in the end. Sounds like that was quite a, a different game from what you could expect this weekend against Highland. Yes, yeah, I mean, I think, I think in, in this regard, yeah, we probably got pulled into into the the game that they wanted to play, kind of a stuffy kind of tight contact game whereas I think both teams this weekend will be quite keen to run it and are used to used to playing quicker rugby and expansive rugby um, so yeah it'll, on, a, on, a, on a nice big um, fresh pitch obviously it's uh, the weather shouldn't really be too much of an issue um, and it's hopefully more free flowing um, with an opp- opportunities for both teams to attack um, so yeah hopefully hopefully things can stay Yeah. 
team news at this point? Anybody definitely out? Anybody definitely back? Um, no, I suppose we I, mean, I think I would say we had a, a good, strong travelling squad last week. We had, unfortunately, we missed. We were missing two second rows last week. One who was waiting for a test result, right. um, unfortunately, and the other one who was working on it. So hopefully both of them are back and available. I know that one of them is back available this week. I haven't heard. I presume the test results were okay for the other one. <laughs> Thanks, um, God. Again, there's far more rugby in this week's papers, particularly the Inverness Courier, where we're talking about Jamie Doby being named on the bench for Scotland for their first Autumn International against Tonga this weekend. And there's also a few words on Inverness Craig Denane, who are also in action in Caledonia North 4 and the Women's North League. But so far on this podcast, we've talked quite a bit about potential successes, about teams going for titles or wanting to get back to form. So I think it's about time that we talked about a couple of successes that have already happened. In particular, first off, Shinty. Kinloch Shield won the McTavish Cup to complete the set of senior Shinty trophies after having won the Kamenach Cup earlier in the summer. It was a phenomenal achievement for Johnson Gill's men, but they were made to work really hard for it against Canusi. We went all the way to extra time. They ended up scoring in the 100th and 102nd minute. Canusi did get one back in the 120th, right at the very end, but it was too late for them to get back on level terms and force a penalty shootout, and Kinloch Shield lifted the McTavish Cup. I caught up with their manager, Johnson Gill, who, as you might expect, was absolutely buzzing. Um, they, they, they were, uh, you know, they're 
it turned out in in um, for the games trained hard they've done everything that, that, that has been asked of them and to be honest with you they could have maybe won this four or five years ago and maybe had a few more but we're kind of late developers but what we have now and the guys that are in place they're, they're outstanding without a doubt it's been a really special year for Kinlaw Shale. Can you get better than this? Uh, yeah, I think so. You know, somebody said to me, right, okay, next year go for all fours. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's a bit of an ask right now. But no, I think we'll get another couple of senior medals, uh, uh, trophies, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Is that the target now, just to keep adding to the trophy collection? Yeah, it is, uh, but also at the same time, it's not about um, we have to bring in young, younger guys, which uh, Archie McCray scored our, our third goal. He's only 16 years of age. Um, that's the intention, is to try and bring forward some of the younger players now. So we don't go along the line of they all give up together and they all finish together and mm-hmm. hear them again. It's a case of um, just bringing on players, bringing on players, and, and uh, we've quite a good blend of youth and experience at the moment so it's not just about winning and, and winning trophies it's all about leaving a legacy I suppose well that's right it, it's, it's all about um, just keeping ourselves focused on, on on the future as well as what's happening at the moment if you understand what I'm saying yeah, yeah absolutely so at, at the moment it's, it's you know we're, we're up there we're probably top of the tree but we have to keep young fellas coming through and hopefully these guys will carry on to replace other guys in the future years. From one set of champions to another, as Highland Boxing Academy came back from the MTK Lonsdale Box Cup with one gold medal and two silvers. If anything, that's actually a little bit lower than Highland Boxing Academy are used to when they go to these sorts of competitions. But it was really tough conditions, as you're about to hear from head coach Liam Foy. More than anything, he was just delighted that Sari Grant came back as the new International Box Cup champion. She won her title, Lonsdale International Box Cup. And that was it. I had the squad with two other silvers. And all our finalists were... It was a really tough competition for the, the, the history of the club. Like it was really tough. The, the quite a, a new sort of French squad that I taken down there. It was quite a high, high level tournament to go down. But they all conducted themselves like really really well. We were under extremely like tough like conditions, and we're right up against it in so many different ways. But on the day, the ones that were beaten were beaten by better boxers. But it really with a couple of cool split decisions. But um, a couple of times our boxers were just outclassed and beaten by better boxers but we still came back with a champion at like the biggest box cup you know uh, in the country the five boxing rings three days over she was I don't even want to guess how many boxers there were over 500 easily it was just I mean we were there on the Saturday from half past from seven o'clock in the morning and our last boxer walked out of the ring uh, half past eleven at night. Jeez. That's you know what we were up against. So we were at the venue from seven till half eleven. That's trying, crazy. Trying, you know, it was just insane. Um, there was, I mean, they, they did their really best. Like, I, you know, a few years back we went there and it said at the time, you know, it was the best boxing tournament for organisation, everything like that, and. Um, 
but it was it was re- it was just you know post pandemic. Obviously, they're up against it. I understand there are a lot of stuff they had to do differently yeah. this time around. But uh, you know, I felt it was just there was but an area that was an outdoor area, effectively like a marquee tent, which was used for every boxer, every coach. It was like being. Ah, really, like in a, in a slam tent at a festival, trying to warm up boxers and all that. So, you know, the conditions weren't great, but I suppose the conditions were the same for most of the boxers that weren't. We were staying a wee bit out of Penrith, so we had no option but to be there for the duration. Other clubs that maybe stayed a little bit closer, but that just comes down to organisation and everything like that, you know. It's just, it was one of those ones that we had hoped for the, the best with uh, conditions, but, uh, you know, it wasn't that great. Um, but um, it was a lot. There was a lot of the, the tournament itself was plagued with a couple of delays and stuff. So for the ones that thought they were going to be an advantage coming earlier and preparing earlier and all that sort of stuff, it backfired because there was hours and hours of delays in the start some of the days. So um, so that kind of backfired, and I was trying to be a little bit more organised and prepared mm-hmm. for competition to ensure that we were weighed in first and could could could. Um, get an area, a sort of designated area within the warm-up area and secure that for our team throughout the day, which we did. But then there was hours and hours of delays, so we ended up, you know, just absolutely dead on our feet on the, the day of the semi-finals when it had the most delays. So it was tough. It was really tough conditions, but what was exceptional was even when the chips were down and it was right up against us, like all our boxers still jumping at that ring and, and give it their all, you know. But... You know, in, in regards to like competitive boxing, and you know, was, the novices there, the B class novice competition was at such a high level. You know, such a high level, such you know, good boxers from down in England. Obviously, they they came back earlier than us in regards to like the pandemic. You know, sure. Um, so they their gyms were open before we were. We were still training outside at Buck Park when they were in full swing. Um, in their gyms, you know. So all these sort of different things, but on the day, we had a couple of close split decisions that I felt, you know, you know, it was, it was we were in where I could shout again, which we didn't get, but the rest of our boxers were beaten fairly and squarely on the day. But we still managed to come back with a, t- a title, you know, and a really good um, result for Sari, which is and it's also quite special because Sari was our last champion pre-pandemic and our first champion post-pandemic. I suppose we're still in the midst of a pandemic, but after sort of uh, restrictions and that have kind of been eased for competitive sport, you know? So... Uh, it's a full circle moment. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Lindsay as well. Lindsay, you know, she, she lost in the final. She was being unanimous, which sounds like overwhelmingly like she was beaten. It was a really close fight, but I mean, she, she was a out of all of our boxers, she boxed on the last day on the last fight for us. So she had to endure the, you know, the three or four days that had came before, sitting about and waiting and waiting and waiting. And she was just dead on her feet. She was really tired and exhausted going in there, you know. Um, and she was up against, you know, a girl from England that wasn't far away from her. So not that much travel and not having to stay over. All these sort of factors coming into play. And it was a, you know, she, admit, she was the first to admit there was a t- tired a tired and worn out performance uh, from herself and she was just gutted because she wanted to give it her her best shot on that stage and but that's what we were up against you know and um, we were there we were there before I think we stayed a little bit closer 
I don't think we even commuted backwards and forwards during the days of the competition. It was just better conditions because boxers were able to, boxers had the areas inside the venue, which was indoors for starters. I mean, all of us can hear from a voice that are all got raspy, croaky throats from being outside for three or four days, you know, yeah. in cold, wet October weather. Um, trying to warm up, warm up boxers outside in the rain, and oh, it was just, it was tough, you know. Um, but it's, it's, it's probably a victim of its own success. They had, had another area inside which was designated for boxers to warm up, but it was just getting overcrowded with people that were not prepared to wait inside the tent area because it was too cold and wet, and um, you know, just refusing to leave. And it was a battle to get boxers to and from the ring. And they were competing. It was a battle to get them in the door off the actual venue because there were so many people trying to get into that area. And it was a battle even for coaches to find out what bouts were on in the running order because uh, they were only letting you in when your boxers were boxing. So you were having to go, get rejected, come back, go, get rejected, come back until such time they would let you in, you know, because it was like you were on it. So a lot of to and fro and try to time warm ups and everything like that. So we had right up against it. Yeah. We weren't the only club that was right up against it. Everyone was, you know. But um, yeah, it, it was uh, it was a tough, tough weekend. Really tough. I mean, I'm still dead. I'm, I'm in the gym tonight. I was off last night, but I'm dead on my feet still, absolutely wiped out. And I can only imagine how hard that would have been for all our boxers that competed. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't have to step in the ring, although I did um, take every loss that they suffered and every punch that they received. Uh, I felt every single one of them is still dealing with them all, but I was just delighted that, you know, we could bring a champion level, you know, home at that stage, at that, at that level, you know, an international boxing tournament. She boxed a girl from the Isle of Man in the, in the final, and it was a unanimous decision, uh, brilliant performance. There was a scare in the middle because uh, she actually, as she was stepping back, tripped over the referee because the referee wasn't, hadn't given her enough space, and she was down on her bum, you know, complaining about a sore ankle, but was able to get up and put weight on it and still box to a good enough level to to, to win the title. Um, so, super proud. Just, you know, that's what I was saying. It was getting right close because we were trying to last two, two, two finalists, you know. Um, and I was like, wow, in my head I was thinking, I didn't want to put any pressure on the boxers, but... You know, never have we been at a box cup or tournament like that and not came away with a champion and mm-hmm. it was starting to get pretty goddamn close, you know. Um, Beth, she got beaten by a really good girl. No complaints in her final. She took silver, but an amazing exchange. Although that was a great thing, the spirit of the club and that as well. Although the, when the chips were down and our boxers weren't, you know, getting the decisions and stuff like that, every still, one of them still went in the, the ring with, with great eagerness and... and you know, hunger to go in and, and you know, go for it, even though, you know, the results weren't going our way. And, you know, we were had a really torrid uh, quarter-final, semi-final day, sorry, day of the semi-finals. It was really tough for the club. But they still went in and, you know, gave it their best shot. And still, you know, none of them were defeated before they went in the ring. Do you know what I mean? They were, they were all really positive and gave it, you know, went in there. But it was just, it was just a really tough... You know, we were on the go for over 16 hours a day, you know, from the way in with all the delays and then in our bounce and all that. It was, you know, and then, oh, it's just horrific. <laughs> Try to get back up the road that night as well, you know. Um, so, but again, you know, massive uh, achievement from Sari. Sari's a young girl who 
attends Inverness High School and uh, yeah, that's her that's back-to-back titles for her Scottish Open champion, uh, number one in Scotland at her age and weight, and also now um, an international boxing champion as well, MTK Global um, Lonsdale Box Cup champion. So super proud to be bringing a title back to Inverness. Congratulations to Sari and congratulations to Kinloch Shield from earlier on as well. Phenomenal achievements from everybody involved at both clubs there. And there's plenty more to go and read in this week's newspapers. I've already said it a couple of times, but it's true. There's a little bit more boxing, there's plenty more football, a bit more rugby, loads of other stuff for you to go and read that, to be fair, we just don't have time to feature in this week's episode of Balls and Whistles because we're already at just about the 15-minute mark. I will, however, give a quick update on the fantasy football because last week we didn't really get round to it then, so it's only right, I think, that we do it this time around. Looking at the latest round of fixtures, I think there's a reason that Andy Dixon from Health and Lift Nest, macho man Andy Dixon, I should say, was asking me to do a fantasy football update. He is off of bottom spot and quite quickly closing the gap to Will Clark. Uh, Of course, Andy Dixon and Andrew McLeod right at the bottom, but they did join a few weeks after the start of the season, so there is a little bit of leeway we have to give to them. Will was the joint lowest scorer of the week, not the first time I've been able to say that. And Johnny Clark is still leading the way in the league, although the gap is closing. I said, I think one of the last times I did one of these updates, we kind of had a top three or four, then a middle three or four, and then a bottom couple as well. It's now looking like it's a top four quite comfortably. There's about 35 points between the top four and then a bit of a gap and then a bit more of a gap. Well, we just leave it at that. I think we will. Um, Partially because I've been going on for a little while working on this podcast and I'm absolutely knackered after going to Dundee on Wednesday night. So all that's left for me to say is go and listen to the other podcasts Highland News and Media have to offer. If you want to get in touch with us, you can do on Twitter at balls underscore whistles or you can email ballsandwhistles at hnmedia.co.uk. I'm off to get some sleep. Will Clark will be back next week. In the meantime, thank you so much for listening.